Okay, so um, we are continuing with our series in Matthew, Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to look at uh, chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Sorry, it's not where, chapters 1 to 4. This is going to be an overview, we're flyby. We're, we're, there's no way I have time to go into what this deserves, even as we're going through these weeks. We're really just... Uh, we're barely touching off on most of the subjects. And today isn't going to be any different. Actually, today is probably going to be even more a flyover than, than, than we deserve. Most of the stuff in this deserves weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And, and, and I only say that to say to you, read this stuff at home. Don't, don't only come here and get like a, a sandwich on a Sunday. Read this stuff at home and have a dinner every day. Yeah, there's, there's tons of... There's tons of stuff available on the internet even. But there's some really good teaching on the internet that that if you want to just do a Bible study on this stuff at at your own leisure, in your own time, you don't need a preacher to teach you this stuff. The Holy Spirit will teach you this stuff. Coming to church on a Sunday is useful because it's encouraging, hopefully. (laughs) Um, We get to worship together. We get to hang out together, have tea, coffee, cake, do all of that together. And hopefully something from what I say or whoever's up here talking says encourages you, maybe challenges you, maybe stretches you a bit, maybe brings you into a place that, that maybe you weren't in with God up to now. And hopefully that's what this does. It doesn't always do that, I know, and it doesn't always do it for everybody. But here's the bit. What you do on your own at home Every day is much more important than what we do here for 20 minutes on a Sunday. This is like a snack. The Word of God is something we're supposed to feed on every day. It's food for our souls. It's food for our spirit. And if you eat that every day, just like you have a dinner, you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, have some of the Word of God every day. And it will change your life forever. I promise you. In ways that you haven't dreamt of, imagined, or hoped for. Or in ways that you thought would be too good to be true. But you need to be, you need to be eating on it. No one else can do that for you. Someone can cook you a dinner, but they can't eat it for you. There's a few people could do eating my dinners. They'd be better off than me eating them. But if you... No one else can feed you the wood. So what we do on a Sunday, this is like a drive-thru, going into McDonald's and getting a Big Mac meal. That's all this is. This is never going to be what you need to sustain a long-term relationship with Jesus. This is only ever going to be pointing you in a direction. And the direction I want to point you is, stay in the Word. Read it. Think about it. There's a word in, in the Scriptures that says meditate on it, and all that means is think about it. Let it wreck your head. Ask questions about it. Read what other people think. Find some stuff that you don't agree with and read that. And let it challenge how your brain works. Because God's word will change your life if you let it in. But you have to let it in. Um, And in saying that, I want to pray for a second. Then I'm going to read a chunk of it. And then we'll have a look. We looked over the last couple of weeks at um, the first week we looked at being blessed. We looked at the whole Beatitude section. And then the second week we were looking at salt and light. And how we are salt and light. And I don't want to keep going back into it. Last week, or two weeks ago, we looked at murder, sin, and divorce, which was a really fun week. And then last week, we were looking at uh, how we make oaths. 
and what we do with an eye for an eye and revenge and stuff like that and how we're supposed to treat our enemies. And this week we're going to look at praying, at fasting, at giving, and at secrets. So let's pray for a sec. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the life that's in it. And I want to ask you, Lord, that you would just, um, one, help that sound. Um, but I pray, Father, that you would just help this word to go deep into our souls. Help it to teach us, to show us, to, to encourage us. And help us to live a life that actually makes you happy. Because when you are happy with the way we're living our life, we're going to be living in peace and in happiness too. So, Lord, this is not just about some weird thing about keeping some entity in the cosmos happy so that you don't zap us. But this is about a living relationship. And when we are in a relationship and behaving in a way in that relationship that is pleasing to you, it's blessing to our life. So I pray you would continue to bless the people's lives in this room. And I thank you for what you've already done. And I thank you for this word and I pray. You're blessed today in Jesus' name. I'm going to read from Matthew 6. It says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, so that your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're going to stop there for a second. There's two or three points out of this really quickly. One, when you do your righteousness, don't do it in front of other people. When you give to the needy, don't do it in front of other people. There's an assumption in here that you're going to do righteous acts and give to the needy. He wouldn't be telling you how to do something if he wasn't assuming already that you're going to be doing it. So if we're going to be, and the whole premise of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was telling people how to live their lives as his followers. So we're going to live as his followers, then we're going to do two things. One, we're going to be doing righteous acts, and two, we're going to be given to the needy. They're just two. But we're going to do it in secret. I'm going to talk in a minute about fasting and praying. The amount of times I have seen people putting up on Facebook, I'm going on a fast. Or I'm giving to the needy, but I'm giving in secret. But I'm just putting on Facebook so you can all pray for me. Okay? If you want that, you can have that. I have sat with people in this church. I've sat with people in other churches who want to be recognized for what they're doing. But they're looking for the recognition in the wrong place. And they can have that recognition on this planet and you can have it by people going, oh, you're great. But the reality of it is one that will never feed your soul. Never feed it enough. If you only give because other people are giving you a clap on the back, you will never get enough claps on your back. There's something missing inside of me if I need you to acknowledge me every time I do something right. I'm doing it for to get you to like me or I'm doing it for to get you to acknowledge it, then I'm not doing it from a place of wholeness. I'm doing it from a place of need. Does that make sense? And here's the trouble with that. Do it. It's better than not doing it at all. But you're never going to be happy because people will never 
make you happy. The only one who can actually satisfy your soul is God. And, and I'm looking to other people to satisfy my soul in a way that they're just not able to do. And I end up eternally disappointed and browned off with people and upset and hurt and confused because I've done all these good things but nobody's gave me a clap on the back for it. That's why that's saying do it, but do it in secret. Don't look for the clap on the back. Then you won't be disappointed. You'll get the clap on the back when you get to heaven. And there'll be a better clap on the back than you're ever going to get down here. There's a ton of needy people all around us and they need your help. But they don't need you doing, doing it so that everybody sees you. But if you want to do it so everybody sees it, I'll at least do it anyway because the needy people still need it. But the only one who will miss out there is, is you. Because that's what it says. You'll get your reward. You'll get someone coming up and going, Ah, Brian, you're a great fella. Fair play to you doing that for them. And I go, thanks very much. And I feel better about me. And you're out to tell me I'm doing great. And the needy people got whatever they needed. But that's it. End of. Whereas if I figured out a way to do it, and I don't go looking for Richie or someone to say to me, oh God, you're great doing that. Then what happens at the end is, God says, well done. And there is a verse in scripture where it says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you know, that is honestly where we all need to be heading for. If, if, if we can get to the place where we can kind of go, I really don't need you to see what I'm doing because I know I'm doing it because God told me to do it. I know that person next door to me needs help, so I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing to do, not because someone will see me and then I'll feel good about myself. You will feel good about yourself if you're just doing the right thing, I promise you. And you can look for the reward here, and that's totally your choice, but you're going to miss out on something much better, something much better. The scripture goes on and it says, and when you pray... Notice that when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. So there's an assumption here that you're going to be praying. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, (coughs) as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, there's like six months preaching in that one alone, isn't there? Like I, was, I, I saw a series on the Arrow Father in the church one time. It took 20 weeks preaching just on the Arrow Father, just that little piece. And I'm going to do it all in about four minutes. So... So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the churches and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go somewhere in secret. And go talk to God on your own. You don't need an audience to talk to God. You can shout if you like. 
But go into your own space on your own and just talk to your Father in heaven. And you don't need to keep repeating yourself. You don't need to keep going and saying the same thing over and over and over again. He heard you. He hears you. He hears us. I was brought up in a tradition that told me I had to say the same things over and over and over again. In the Jewish tradition of the time, they had the same prayers. They prayed over and over and over again. If you go to, I think it's the Hindus, and I want to be careful I'm not saying something that's not true, but I think it's the Hindus. They have a prayer wheel where they put a, a prayer on a wheel and then they spin the wheel, which makes the prayer happen a thousand times quicker than you can say it out every time. And they think that by saying the same thing over and over and over again, they're going to wear down their gods who will then answer them and then they'll get what they want. Now, that works with your ma when you're young. You just keep at her until you wear her out. And then she eventually says yes. But you don't have to do that with God. Because here's the thing. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to help you in whatever the situation is. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. So I don't need to keep going to him and going, God, will you bless me? 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 Bless. Ah, go on, God. Will you bless me? Ah, go on. Ah, go on. Ah, go on. Ah, go on. You don't have to do that. You just have to go, God... In a bit of a mess, could do with a hand. Whatever, talk to him. You know, to have special language for it. We were talking about this on Alpha the other night even. Do you know what I mean? The whole idea of like, when we go to God, we think that we have to change how we speak. I'd be often wondering, I think God has a good laugh for us sometimes, I really do. But it's like, are we change how we, how we talk to each other. It was like I was saying to someone the other night, like if your child came up to you, and was looking for a, like a sandwich, they wouldn't be going, oh, there was the greatest mother um, who has bestowed upon me life and has given me all things that I need. Per chance, could you give me a sandwich? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They could be going, what is wrong with you, child? Someone's kidnapped my child. Because what they do is come up, man, it's, I'm hungry. Isn't that the way they'd go? So, but we, we have something in our heads that think when we go to God, you have to put on this big show and you have to sit a certain way and hold your hands a certain way and close your eyes and bow your heads but here's the thing God sees your spirit and connects with your spirit so it doesn't matter where your hands where your hands are you can pray as holy in the shower sitting on the loo or standing in a church building it doesn't matter the most honest prayers you'll ever pray are just the stuff that comes out of your heart that goes Jesus help but thanks. Just that one word, thanks. It doesn't have to be thank you for the amazing sunset. It might be that you're just sitting in the garden and see something and you just go, thanks. You made that. That's amazing. Just your heart to his heart. Because that's all he's looking for. That's why Jesus went on and said, this is how you pray. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. And our Father doesn't have a good ring to it if you haven't had a good relationship with your dad. Because fathers don't have a good, a good reputation a lot of times. And we talked about this before where Jesus talked about column Abba. The translation of that is from Abba which is dad or daddy or whatever. I, I can't do daddy. It doesn't work for me, okay? Because I never, 
I never had that relationship at home. I, I get it from being the daddy of the daughter who uses daddy to manipulate me into getting what she wants. I, understood, I understand it from there. Not manipulating, that's probably the wrong word, but she knew where to hit the button. Do you know that kind of a way? It was, yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> like if Emma was sending me a text looking for something, just send me to how are you dad, how's it going, whatever. But if she's looking for something that goes, daddy. Okay? So, so in my head, daddy doesn't work for me. Um, dad doesn't really work for me. Papa kind of works for me. I don't know why. Because it's not a word that was in my language. Maybe that's why it works. But it's like, you find a word that works for you. If Father is, is creating images in your head of someone maybe who was absent or was cruel or wasn't whatever, then don't use that word. Because God isn't that man. God is totally different to that man. He loves you. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. Which even surprises some of you sitting there because you know everything about you and you're sitting there going, oh, you wouldn't love me. Or I don't know how he loves me or why. But our Father, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His will is done in heaven. The reason his will isn't done on earth is because he's let us have free reign. He didn't want a bunch of robots. So he gave us choices. His will is done in parts of the earth where people are trying to live according to his will. And then in parts of the earth it's not being done. But we have an opportunity to introduce people to Jesus and let him transform their lives so that his will may be done on earth. Because more people will be trying to live according to his will than there is living right now. Because I want to tell you, if people in this world were really living according to his will, we wouldn't have the wars we've got. We wouldn't have the broken families we've got. We wouldn't have the hurt that we've got. We wouldn't have the poverty that we've got. Because that is not his will. That's man's will. Give us today our daily bread. That's fairly simple. Whatever you need for today. You can't guarantee you even have tomorrow. You can ask him for tomorrow if you want to, but he says just ask him for today. Today is enough troubles of his own. Manager, and he'll help you, manager. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. There is a there is an if and an and and a button. This one. If we're not willing to forgive other people, then God is literally saying. Forgive them first, then I'll forgive you. We are forgiven on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. We have salvation on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. And we are forgiven for all of our sins, misdemeanors, felonies, you name it, whatever you want to call it, because of what Jesus did on the cross. But there is a condition that you don't sit there thinking that you're better than somebody else and you can judge them. And here's the thing. God's not interested in you forgiving them to let them off a hook. He's interested in you forgiving them to let you off a hook. Because it's your heart that's wrapped up in chains when you don't forgive other people. It's your heart that's poisoned when you don't forgive other people. It's your life that gets destroyed and eaten up from the inside out. My mom died a bitter woman. And it didn't have to be that way. 
I didn't plan on talking about what I'm getting upset. She didn't have to die that way. She didn't have to live that way. But there was stuff in her life that she couldn't forgive or didn't forgive. And because of that, that bitterness took hold in her life and it destroyed all of the relations around her. All of it. And God doesn't want that for me and he doesn't want it for you. So he says, forgive. And if you think you can't forgive, that's okay. It's a choice. It's not an emotion. But if you make the choice, his grace will come in and help you to live out the emotion of it. And it might take time to walk it through, but it will walk through. He'll never tell you to do something that you can't do. So if he says forgive somebody, he'll help you forgive them. He won't tell you to do something you can't do. If you're sitting there and you had no legs, he's not going to tell you to run a marathon because you have no legs. He's not going to ask you to do something you can't do. And this is the one that I need to pray regularly is lead me not into temptation but deliver me from the evil one. Because I want to tell you something. I can resist just about anything except temptation. You didn't get that. It's okay. <laughs> Wasted. Okay. Temptation. <laughs> temptation is never nasty looking. It's always kind of attractive. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, Donuts are attractive. That's why we eat them. Yeah? Cake is attractive. That's why we eat it. If courgettes were attractive, we'd binge on them. But we don't. Because they're not. Temptation is attractive. So when I get tempted, I am much easier that I'm going to do something I shouldn't be doing, say something I shouldn't be saying, be somewhere I shouldn't be, look at something I shouldn't look at, because I fall for temptation. I have never fallen without being tempted first. So what I learned to pray is, God, keep me out of temptation, will you? Because I ain't good when I'm in there. And if I do end up in there, well, then help me get through it. But if you keep me out of it, that'd be a lot better. If I don't smell chips, if I don't see chips, it's a lot easier not to want chips. If I don't see a lovely piece of apple tart with a big lump of fresh cream melting all over it, I don't be exactly craving apple tarts. So keep me away from temptation. Jesus has given us instructions on how to live and saying where to ask for help. But then in 14 it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, then your Father will not forgive you. Take that one up with God. You can blame the preacher on it and you can blame anything you want and you can say, Oh, they're just this and they're just that and they're just the other. That's straight from the Bible. God said that one. But what I will say to you is he doesn't, he's not vindictive and he's not cruel. He's a just God. But he does know what's best for us and he's telling us to forgive others because that's what's best for us. Not because he's on some kind of power trip because I can tell you to forgive. Just like when you're a parent and you tell your kids what's best for them, even when they don't feel like it's the best for them. And they think they can't do it, but you know better because you're the parent, don't you? God is the parent. He actually does know better. 
It goes on and it says, when you fast. There's another funny one. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. Don't look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show there's the fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let me, let me explain something about fasting for a second. One, fasting is not about twisting at God's arm to get him to do something for you. My interpretation of fasting, when we started going to church and got saved first, was, I'll fast and pray and God will have to do what I want. doesn't work that way. Okay? Fasting is not necessarily food or drink. How many people have given something up for Lent? Okay. Paddy's Day is the day you get away with it. You're allowed to break it. So you can eat chocolate today, whatever. That's why everyone goes out and gets locked on Paddy's Day because they gave up the drink for Lent. Everyone is telling you what they gave up for Lent. Oh, I'm off the chocolate for Lent. Get them chocolates away from me. That's not a fast. Well, there is a fast, but it's not going to get you what you want. You can fast anything. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be drink. It could be, um, it could be your phone. It could be the smokes. It could be going to the pictures. It could be anything. It could be watching a TV program, whatever. But here's what we're supposed to do with that space that we create in our life by having a fast. Because a fast is about taking something out of my life. So I'm taking chocolate out of it. I'm taking Coronation Street out of it. I'm taking Facebook out of it. I'm taking food out of it for a certain period of time. Whatever it is I'm taking out, that creates a space. What I'm supposed to do with that space is invite the Holy Spirit into it. What I'm supposed to do with that space is the time that I would spend eating my dinner is to sit with God and go, what do you want to say to me? The time I'd spend drinking is to take that time and do something else with it. The time I would spend on Facebook is to spend that time sitting with God. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's reading a good book. Maybe it's talking with other people. Maybe it's just spending time giving, whatever. But when we create space in our lives by fasting from something, it's really important what we fill it with, just as much as there is what we take out. Does that make sense? Because no good just making a vacuum. Because I'll tell you what will come into the vacuum for you. Temptation. <laughs> I'm giving up chocolate. You'll never get so many free bars of chocolate in your life. I'm off the smoke. I never had people want to give me free cigarettes until I gave them up. It's the same with everything. So when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that it's not obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here's the theme going through this all the, all the way. There is stuff we're supposed to do in secret. We're supposed to have secrets, but it's from other people. It's between you and God. It's like, yes, give away things. Give money, give clothes, give... give. And if you're going to give away clothes, don't be giving the old stuff. Get something new and give something decent away. Put the old stuff in the bin where it belongs. Give away. Give to the needy. Pray. Spend time having a conversation with God. Spend time fasting. Take something out of your life. They're the things we're supposed to do. That's what the scripture is telling us. The bit about it is to do it on your own and without the fanfare. Everyone on Facebook doesn't need to know that you're fasting. 
or that you're praying. The person who needs to know is you and God. Just like in any intimate relationship you have on this planet. And I want you to think about this for a minute. The most intimate relationship you have on this planet, the person who is closest to you, whether that's a, a partner, a husband, a wife, a sibling, a mother, a daughter, a, hus- you know, a father, son, whatever it is, whoever is that closest person to you, you don't need a big rigmarole to just get quiet and have a conversation with each other. But what you do need is to push the distractions away and make that space. So what Jesus is saying here is that you are called, and I am called, when I say you, sorry, I don't mean to be pointing at anybody. We are called to pray, to fast, and to give. You want to be a follower of Jesus, that's what this whole sermon is about. Here's three practical things that we can do. They're not rocket science. Praying is having a conversation. Fasting is just taking something out of your life so you can have that conversation. And then giving is fairly simple. You take something you've got and you give it to someone else. Not rocket science either, is it? No? None of them are necessarily easy. But they're all simple. But what I want to tell you is if you do them, Three different times it says you will get your reward because your father will see what you're doing. So God will see what you've done. And you will get your reward from him. Whatever that reward may be, I haven't got a clue. I don't know what he'll give you. And I don't know whether you'll see it in this side of our lives or when we go to heaven. But I do know that I have a promise from God that if I do these things and if I do them in secret, I will have a reward from him. The choice is yours. The choice of whether you do this or not is yours. Because no one's going to police you. I most certainly am not going to police you. I can't police myself. No one in this place is going to police you. You're an adult. You make up your mind what kind of relationship you want to have with God. But I want to tell you, God has made up his mind of what kind of relationship he wants to have with you. He wants to have an intimate relationship where he empowers your life, where he blesses you, where he strengthens you, where he encourages you, where he brings people into your life that will bless you. And he'll bring people into your life for you to bless. He wants to give you things. He wants you to have everything that you need. And he wants you to have more so that you can give away to others. He wants you to have a relationship with him that's intimate and real. And he wants to have a conversation with you. The invitation is yours. What you do with that invitation is up to you. Today we celebrate the life of St. Patrick who had the same invitation that we have and he accepted it. He was a slave boy. A slave. Brought to this country as a slave. Escaped and went home and in a conversation with God was called to come back here and literally change the face of a nation. One slave boy. 
what could God do with our lives? If we were willing to answer that same call. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for um, your word that is real and living and active. And, and, and it gets into our heart and into our minds and it changes us. And I want to pray right now that, that to whoever sitting in this room, Lord, that you've been speaking to. And, Lord, let me say this. What was of me in this last 20 minutes, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten about. But Father, I pray that what was of you goes straight into our hearts. Because I know that your word does not come back for it. Your word has power to change. Your word has power to heal. And your word has power to set free. And I want to pray, Lord, the people who are in this room who are struggling with forgiveness, who are struggling with forgiving others, that right now you would show them that the prison bars that they are living in of unforgiveness do not have to hold them any longer. But that right now, by the power of your spirit, they can be set free. That right now, with the power of your spirit, that you can give them the strength that they need for to forgive whoever it is that they need to forgive so that they can live their lives in freedom. Not even the person they are forgiven, but the person who is sitting here right now does not have to carry this monkey on their back any longer. I want to encourage you just, just now if you have someone in your life that you are struggling to forgive, I want to ask you just, just now, just invite Jesus into that situation. Just ask Jesus to help you. Ask him. Let him show you that person's face. And whether they deserve forgiveness or not isn't what's important. You deserve freedom. Because Jesus bought it for you. Not a pray that when it comes time to pray and to fast, and there's people sitting in the room who say they don't know how to do that, or people who think they do know how to do it. I want to ask that you would change things for all of us. I want to pray that your Holy Spirit does a number on each and every one of us. That you come and you take what we've got and you sanctify it and you wash it in the blood and you make it new. So those habits that we've had for years, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, Lord, that we can create new things with you because you are a creative God. You are ever-expanding, ever-increasing. And Lord, I pray that we would be people who have conversations with you that are real, that are honest, that are open. And that are full of love. And Lord, when we're hurting or when we're struggling, that we can go to you with them.
I want to ask you, God, that you would encourage every person in this room to know that you have them, that you are holding them in the palm of your hands. And I pray that you would shine your face of love and peace and grace on each and every one. As this week goes, as we move into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, I pray that the hunger they have for you and for your word would increase. And that you would generate in them a hunger for you. That your spirit would walk to draw us closer to you. God, I pray blessing over your children in this room. And to anyone who may hear this, that your blessing would fall upon them and their families. That your peace would guard their hearts and their minds. That your provision would meet every need in their life. And that your love would sweep them up like a tidal wave and wash them into your presence and into that place of mercy and grace. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. I hope you have a great Patrick's Day. Enjoy the bank holiday tomorrow.